If you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 today. If you don't have your Bibles, the verses will be on the screen. We're going to be walking through most of that chapter today. As we continue in our series, get your shape on. Some of you came two weeks ago and you thought, oh, great. Like, what are we going to do? Like, you know, exercise in church or something like that? No, trust me, that is not going to happen. Uh, this is all about you and I uh, finding our unique God-given gifts and talents and abilities and implementing them in the body of Christ. And today, for the start of school, I want to let you know that each and every one of you have homework, all right? And I'll be telling you about that as uh, the day goes on um, and, and uh, this morning goes on. Um, we have homework for you today, an assignment that I'm going to have you do um, that will help you in this. And we continue in week three of this series called Get Your Shape On. And I've enjoyed it, and I hope you have too. I hope it's been beneficial in your life. There's a story uh, about a company that years ago plan their summer picnic. And if you've ever been a part of a a company or corporation or even a small business, um, sometimes they will have summer picnics and they'll gather the families together. They'll do a cookout. They'll have some games, maybe a little softball game, football game, whatever the case may be, and they'll have a good time. This one company decided that this year they wanted to do something unique. They wanted to do something um, extraordinarily different and creative. And so the president of this company contacted a rival company in the area and suggested that they would join them for this picnic and that he wanted to rent a couple rowing boats, nine-person rowing boats, and have a race between the two companies. And so the rival company um, decided that it would join in, and they answered that call. They accepted the, the challenge. And so there was a day of the picnic, both companies gathering together, these two rival companies there in this area. And everyone entered into the excitement of, of the day. There was a cookout going on. The kids were playing on the playground. Someone were throwing the football and baseball and that kind of thing. But everybody knew that the main event was this contest, this race, this rowing race. And, and So everything was kind of gathering up to that point. In fact, a lot of the people who were going to be a part of this race uh, invited some friends and family to come along and to cheer them on. And so finally, uh, after some music and uh, even some other games and and team-building things, the race began. The gun went off. Somebody even got a starter's pistol. And to the frustration and disappointment, of the host company there at that picnic that day, very quickly the rival team got a huge lead. They started out with a huge lead. And the next thing you knew, the race was over and the rival team won by 11 lengths. It wasn't even close. And in this nine-person race, the rival team had victory. Well, the management of, of the host company, the host team, decided um, this, is, this is not going to happen next year. Like, this will not happen. And so the management of the company, they were so embarrassed by this showing that they promptly appointed a committee. You know good things happen when committees get appointed. They promptly uh, appointed a committee to place the responsibility uh, for the failure and, and make recommendations to improve the host team's chances in next year's race because they weren't not going to have the race next year because they needed to win. Well, that committee appointed several task forces that went out and investigated and studied various aspects of the race, and they met for three months 
at different intervals to figure out how to win this race the next year. And in essence, the report came back and said that the rival company had cheated. And, and here's what the report said. It said this. The other company had eight people rowing and one person who was yelling out the commands, who was giving commands to the rest of the row rowers. And they were steering and shouting out that beat. We had one person rowing and eight people yelling out the commands. Well, the chairman of the board thanked the committee and sent it away to study the matter further and even make more recommendations on the rematch. And four months later, the committee came back with a recommendation and it said this, next year, our one guy, he's got to row faster. <laughs> now, isn't that the way we think of things? Isn't that human nature to think, man, the one person that did all the work just needs to work harder. They just need to be faster. They need to be quicker. They need to do more with what God has given them. We do this in the church. In fact, um, in church work, we refer to the Preto principle, which is an economic principle. It's a scientific principle that also relates to work in nonprofits and really companies, but also churches where you find that 20% of the people end up doing 80% of the work. 20% of the people give 80% of the financial resource, resources. 20% of the people are involved in our context, growth communities. 20% of the people are involved in studying the word of God. And all the rest often just look at those of you who are involved in what is going on at this organization, and they suggest just do more. Just do better. Make it faster. And I don't think that is a good enough answer, is it? I don't think that is an answer that's going to sustain us as a church in our mission to passionately share the message of Jesus Christ and lead people to follow him to a world, to a community that's 9% churched. I don't think it's good enough for us to just say, well, that's the way it goes. I believe that it's absolutely our responsibility and absolutely your responsibility and absolutely my responsibility as Christ followers to find out how we are gifted by God and to get involved in the process so that we have a team of people rowing in the same direction. So that we have a team of people on board, all for the same purpose of spreading the message of Jesus Christ and helping people to understand God's word and grow in their faith walk in him. Uh, over these past few weeks, we've looked at some different aspects of this whole concept of shape. And years ago, uh, there was a church, there's a church out in California, uh, uh, Saddleback Church. Rick Warren wrote a book uh, called The Purpose Driven Church. And years later, he wrote The Purpose Driven Life, which a lot of you are familiar with. And he suggested uh, as kind of a result of that, that you and I have different aspects of God's gift in us uh, that, and he put an acronym together and here's what it stands for. It stands for spiritual gifts, Heart, which is passion. A stands for abilities. The P is personality or personal style. And the E is experience. 
And so this whole message series is really designed to help you have a basis, kind of a foundation for um, why God did that, how he wants us to go about uh, serving with our unique shapes, um, why we serve, who we serve, what we serve. And then you're going to be challenged, and you have been challenged all along, to find your own shape and get involved. Now, today, what I want to let you know is that um, you can today go to our website, or you can use your app, and you can click on the shape assessment. Now, this has been a dream of mine for eight years, and it came to fruition today. And we're so excited, actually, over the last few days. You can go online and you can take a spiritual gifts test. Um, for those of you who have the ability to print out at home, I want to encourage you to print out. That's kind of step one. Print that out, take that, and then input the results into the assessment. You'll, you'll answer some questions that re relate to heart or passion, abilities, personal, uh, personal uh, um, uh, style or personality, and then you'll answer some questions about experience. And all that will go right into our database, and we'll be alerted when you take it, okay? Like, you know, you, this is not a pass-fail test, okay? Like, teachers, you can do that this week, but, like, we, this is not what we do. Um, this really helps us to understand how God made you and how we can plug you in as a result. And we'll be alerted, and we will help you get involved. Each one of you will be followed up with a phone call, and we will help you find the area of ministry that best suits you. And so that's what the shape assessment is all about. If you don't have a printer, or if you want to pick up the one part of that, which is a spiritual gifts test, you can do that. There are some copies available at the guest service desk today. It's so important. That's your homework, okay? It took me about 15 minutes. might take you up to 20 minutes at the most. So I want to encourage you over the next few weeks to go do that and find out what that's all about in your life. In week one, just as a way of review, just to give us some basis of where we're going today. In week one, we discovered that um, essentially God created you and I, in, in actuality, God created you and I for a specific purpose. We found out from scripture that he created us, the creator of the universe created you and he created me. And he created each of us with unique gifts, talents, and abilities. And at the moment, for those of you who become Christ followers, for those of you who have put your faith in Jesus, um, when you did that, at the moment that you did that, um, you, uh, when you became a Christ follower, also received the Holy Spirit. More on that next month. We're going to be studying the Holy Spirit next month. But um, that's one of the parts of the Trinity. Um, but um, when you received the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit gave you spiritual gifts. And those spiritual gifts are to be used for God's purpose by him. But in week one, the encouragement that I gave you is, is, is that you and I need to be um, people, Christ followers, who are involved in service, but we're also involved in spiritual growth. It's important for us to be committed to both. And, and the reason is, is because often, uh, here's what happens. You and I have the tendency to go to one extreme or the other. Here's how this works. Sometimes you will say, you know, I, I want to grow in my faith. I want to learn just so much about God's word. And we encourage you to do that. We study it here on Sunday mornings. We have life groups that meet throughout the week that are kicking off here over the next few weeks. Um, we want you to do that. But if all you do is grow and you don't do anything with what God has given you, you become a fat Christian. My son was looking over my shoulder when I typed that up this week, and he was like, Dad, that's not very nice that you're saying they're fat, okay? I'm sorry, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the fact that we just puff ourselves up, 
and we don't do anything with the gifts that God's given us. On the other side of things, um, I've actually heard this in our church, uh, I'm not going to come on Sunday morning unless I can serve. And for those of you who are overachievers, that's awesome and that's great. But if you have that kind of mentality of all I'm going to do is serve and I'm not going to be involved in growing in my faith walk, you will burn out. And so here at this church, my vision for those of you who are part of Hilton Head Island Community Church is that you're growing in your faith. You're involved in a life-giving community of believers, not just on Sunday mornings, but throughout the week in a life group or some kind of Bible study. And, and we're going to be talking about those next week. But that you're also using your gifts and abilities, that you find your shape and you find out where that's involved. And so discovering your unique design happens when you make a commitment to grow in your faith journey and have a willingness to serve God with your life. And last week, uh, we focused on why are we gifted, and we found out and we discovered that God's intent for our own unique design is to bring glory to him, it's to honor him, it's to bring glory to him, to benefit those who already believe, to benefit the church, and to be a catalyst for those who don't believe. Today, we turn our focus to what it means to operate as a team and we're going to take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to walk through this. We're going to walk through it. We're not going to be diving too deeply in because I want you to get the overview, kind of the essence of what the Apostle Paul is talking about. So take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, just to give you some background, Paul is writing here. Uh, he wrote most of the New Testament. And he's writing here to a church in a city of Corinth. And this city was interesting because um, there, there were a lot of, of things that would distract Christ followers from the work of the ministry. And a lot of it involved like um, sexual sin and, and other things that kind of went along with that, other things that would have pulled them, um, you know, uh, money and, and possessions and, and things that actually they were involved in. And Paul kind of takes them out to the woodshed a little bit and talks to him pretty directly about some of these things. And we come to chapter 12 and he talks about the fact that it is so important for us to understand what God was doing by giving us spiritual gifts. Take a look at this and I'll kind of give you some uh, ideas and, and thoughts uh, along the way. Take a look at verse one. Paul says this. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, that was before they became Christ followers, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever said Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. M meaning, um, if you're not a Christ follower, if you don't have the Spirit of God living in you, you can't say Jesus is Lord, um, but no one can say Jesus is a curse. But there's two things I want to point out in just those first couple of verses. Um, Paul says that it is important for you and I to be informed and to understand. It is important for you in your faith walk to be informed about your spiritual gifts. That's why we are doing this shape profile. That's why we're not looking at you and saying, hey, uh, good luck figuring that out. We want to help guide you, and we want to help you understand how you are shaped for ministry. Paul wanted the church in the first century to be informed about spiritual gifts. He also wanted them to understand the word of God. 
He wanted them to understand what God was doing in their midst. And so that's important for us to be informed and to understand what God is doing in our midst. So therefore, I want you, verse 3, um, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is a curse. No one ever said Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, look at verse 4. I want to take a look at verses 4 through 7 here. He says this, now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are a variety of services, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but it is the, you can say that next word with me, same God, who empowers them all in everyone. Right out of the gates, in talking about spiritual gifts, Paul is trying to get you and I to understand that although we may be gifted uniquely, that you may have a different gift than I have, that you may have a different gift than the person over here has, and that like even in your own family, you may have extraordinarily different gifts and abilities and personalities. Some of you are like, I already know that. I've been married to you know, this person forever, and I know that there are different personalities here. God has gifted us uniquely, but we all have the same source, and that's Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified and risen from the dead. We all have the same source, and it's interesting that he talks about variety, and then he talks about sameness. He's making that contrast so that you and I understand that we are individual, but we are a part of the body of Christ, under the lordship of Jesus Christ, under control of Jesus Christ. Verse 7, he says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. I want you to say those last two words with me. To each is given the manifestation of God's Holy Spirit for the common good. Do you see how Paul is trying to get us focused on the fact that our gifting is meant for the common good. It is not meant to benefit us. It is something that we are supposed to share with the body of Christ. He's trying to help us understand that this is not a selfish appeal. It is not a selfish process of understanding what our spiritual gifts are what our passions are, what our abilities are, what our personality is, and what our experience is. This is for the body of Christ. And it's for the common good. Let's keep reading here, because he mentions several of, of the different gifts here. For one is given uh, through the Spirit, the utterance of wisdom, and to another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. There's that word same again, indicating that we are all together in this to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by one spirit, to another the work of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. And these are empowered by one in the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Now, I want to take that last verse. I'm going to come back to the others. But verse 11 says that it is God who gives you your gifts. 
It is the Spirit of God who instills those gifts in you. He mentions several different gifts there. He mentions uh, quite a few of them. Some of them, um, we believe these are all spiritual gifts, but some of these we don't practice in this church in this day and age. Different churches have different opinions about this. We practice several of these, but several of them we don't. We believe that they were gifts for that time, in that time, for the church then. Uh, wisdom, knowledge, faith. Healing and miracles and tongues are, are ones that we don't necessarily practice here. We believe that they're gifts and that they are specifically used for that period of time in the life of the church. Prophecy and what essentially is discernment there. And so there are some of the gifts, and as you take the spiritual gifts test, you will find some of those gifts in there. He lists some more at the end, and we'll take a look at that in the end. All of these are empowered by one in the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And then Paul makes a great analogy, and we're just going to hit a few of these verses here in this fantastic illustration. And this is where we get the word or the phrase, the body of Christ. Take a look at this from the Apostle Paul in verse 12. He says this, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. What essentially he's saying here is, is that um, you and I are, are made up of all these different body parts and uh, they function together in conjunction with each other right? Or at least they're supposed to. As I get older, I find out that they don't sometimes. Uh, some of you know what I'm talking about. But this is what he's saying about the body of Christ, that we are supposed to function in conjunction with each other. We are supposed to operate as a team, as one, even though our gifts may be individual. And then I love this. He goes on um, and talks a little bit more about this. Take a look at Verse 14, for the body does not consist of, of one member, but of, of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, uh, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Listen, there are some of you, um, I want you to hear this. Please, please hear this. There are some of you who um, have the tendency to say, you know, I, I can find all this out, but I don't believe that the gifts and the abilities and the shape that God has made me is worth anything to the church. Some of you say, you know what, I really don't believe that, like, that really matters. Like, I have the gift of helps, and I really don't think that that's going to benefit the body of Christ. I want you to hear this. In saying that or thinking that or having that kind of attitude, the body of Christ is harmed and hurt because you have not found your shape and plugged in and gotten involved. Because you have not discovered what that is when you don't truly believe that you can be used for his purpose. He goes on to say this, and if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, uh, where would the sense of, of hearing, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chooses. Paul keeps coming back to this theme that he is in control. 
that he is the one who's in charge. So regardless of how great you think your shape is or not, he's the one that has given you that shape. He's the one that's given you your spiritual gifts, so on and so forth. Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are, what's that last word? Indispensable. The parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Some of you might say, you know, I I have the gift of wisdom or discernment, or I have the gift of evangelism, and that's really the most important gift in the body of Christ. They're all important in the body of Christ. Each one of these gifts is important in the body of Christ, and no gift is indispensable. Listen, the the people who um, are here throughout the week and help us in the office, and those of you who are part of our leadership team, elders, um, and and our stewardship team, and, and the pastoral staff, we're no better than the person that's out in the parking lot helping uh, bring cars in safely. Or those of you who serve in Island Kids or Ignite, or those of you who help Todd Cooper with our, our high school students, or those of you who help us with a community outreach event. Your job of organizing is no less important than my job is up here. I want you to hear me say that as your pastor. Now, I believe that there are specific roles that you have to work on and focus on, and there are specific people who are better gifted for those specific roles. But I want you to hear that all of these different gifts, service and helps and evangelism and prophecy and all these different things are all important in the body of Christ. And for those of you who think that your gifting or your shape is so great and special, and and better than someone else's. Man, you gotta be careful about the pride. You gotta be careful about the pride that you have in that. He goes on to talk about this um, a little bit more. He says uh, from verse 23, and on those parts of the body that we think are less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. He talks about less and greater there. And our uh, unpresentable parts are treated with great modesty, uh, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God so composed the body. There again, coming back to the fact that God gives us this, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member's honored, all rejoice together. And then he ends by saying this, now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And God has appointed in the church and he lists some more of these spiritual gifts, apostles, second prophets and third teachers, and then miracles and the gifts of healing and helps and administration and various kinds of tongues. And then he says this, I love this. This is a great, if if you really take a look at this and understand this, um, are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? By no means. Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? And then he says this, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. 
read one commentary on this that said, it is okay to look in God's word at the different places where the spiritual gifts are listed and to desire a gift. It's okay to do that. Like, man, I, I would love, like mercy is one of the spiritual gifts. I, I feel like I used to have that and somehow I lost it along the way. But like, you know, it's okay to want one of the spiritual gifts, but I, wanna, I want you to hear this today. I believe what Paul's talking about, about the higher gifts. I believe that he's talking about the gifts that are meant for you. The ones that he's bestowed on you. And then he ends it by saying, and I will show you a more excellent way. Hilton Head Island Community Church, there is a more excellent way than one or two or a small group of people doing all the work at our church. I mentioned in week one that um, we have less than a quarter of our people involved in serving the body of Christ here. And I want to see that changed. I want to see that changed. I want to see you and I come to a clear understanding and being informed about our shape, not so that we can just have it on a piece of paper and go, hey, this is the way I'm shaped, but so that we can get involved in the body of Christ and see his kingdom furthered. In each one of you, your shape is important. To believe that it's not important is harmful to the body of Christ. To believe that your shape is more important is also harmful to the body of Christ. And so our bottom line today is this. Each unique shape is valuable, but it becomes priceless when used as one part of the whole working together. Simply put, your shape's important, your shape's important. You have to believe that. Their shape is important. The person sitting to the right or left, the person sitting three rows up or back. But, this is what I want you to remember, everyone's shape, working together, is most important when it comes to discovering who we are in Christ. One of my favorite writers, uh, Chuck Swindoll, Charles Swindoll, he wrote a letter back in 1991 and described how geese understand that working together is most important. Some of you have probably studied this and you know this. I want to read this letter because I think it helps us understand what it means as a body of Christ working together. He says this, and those stately geese, I find those geese especially impressive. Winging their way to a warmer climate, they often cover thousands of miles before reaching their destination. Have you ever studied why they fly as they do, he writes? He says, it's fascinating to read what has been discovered about their flight pattern as well as their in-flight habits. And he talks about four different in-flight habits that I think you and I can learn as we close today. He says the first thing is, is those in front rotate their leadership. When one lead goose gets tired, it changes places with one of the wings in that V formation and another flies in that leadership point. He said, secondly, by flying as much as they do, the members of the flock create an upward airlift and current for each other. Each flap of the wings literally creates an uplift for the bird immediately following. And one author states that by flying in that V formation that's so familiar, it'll be familiar this time of year coming up pretty soon, the whole flock gets 71% more and greater flying range than if each goose flew on its own. Isn't that great? It says, thirdly, when one goose gets sick or wounded, two fall out of formation. 
They go down to the ground and follow it and help protect it while it's hurt. They stay with the struggler, struggler until that one is able to fly again. And then finally, the geese in the rear of the formation are the ones who do their honking. I love that word, don't you? Like, you know, I have an eight-year-old because I love the word honking. He says the ones in the back are the ones that do all the honking. He says, I suppose it's their way of announcing that they're following and that all is well. For sure, the repeated honks encourage those in front to stay at it. As I I think about this, one lesson stands out above all others. It's a natural instinct of the geese to work together. Whether it's in rotating, flapping, helping, or simply honking, the flock is in it together, and it enables them to accomplish what they set out to do. Listen, church, we have a great mission to reach our community for Christ. We have a great mission to passionately share the message of Jesus Christ of hope for the future and to lead people to follow him, to get them involved in the word of God. But that can't happen when it's reliant on just a few people. We all have to be involved. I've learned this sometimes the hard way. We all have to be involved. Find out your shape. Find out what that is and jump in and get involved. The next two weeks after the service, behind me and backstage, we're going to be having a showcase. Yes, we're calling it a showcase where you can find a ministry area and get involved, and we will help you do that in a way that matches your gift mix and your shape the best. You'll find a a life group or a Bible study to get involved, and you, you can do that when it fits your time and your schedule and the needs that you want. Won't you join in and be a part of this greater team this team that God set out from the beginning to do his work here on earth. Father, I thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you for this passage that outlines so many of the gifts that are active in our church and in the church in our modern era. God, and some that were active and important in the first century. But God, I pray for us as a people. I pray for your people here on Hilton Head Island, for your church here at Hilton Head Island Community Church. God, that we would find our shape, that we would activate all of those things, all of those ways that you have gifted us so that we can honor you, so that we can bring glory to you, so that you can be um, pleased that we are at good work, as Ephesians 6.10 says, you've created us for good works, and that the body of Christ is made stronger as a result, and that your kingdom is expanded as a result, because we have a work to do. God, help us to not let it be just the one or two people or the group of people. God, but may it be so many of our people at Hilton Head Island Community Church participating in the great work, being a part of the great team that you have. May we understand and realize that if you're here today, and you've never put your faith in Jesus. Maybe um, somebody invited you today. You had no idea what you were getting into when you walked in today. Um, But maybe something that was sung or maybe something that was said um, connected with you. And even though we're not talking specifically about you coming to faith, you've heard it all morning. God's plan is that all people 
would put their faith in him. And you have an opportunity before you die, before your expiration date comes to say yes to Jesus. And if you desire to do that today, if you want to put your faith in him, and I want to challenge you if you haven't yet to do that today, to make that firm commitment, to know beyond a shadow of a doubt where you're going when you die. I want to encourage you. The Bible says to confess of your sins, admit that you're a sinner, and to put your faith in him. And if you're here today and you want to accept Jesus as your savior, I'm just going to pray a very short prayer. I want you to silently, just in your heart, tell this to God. It goes something like this. God, thank you for bringing me here today. I realize that my sin will not allow me to get to heaven. But I also realize that today that you sent your son to die on a cross so that I don't have to do any work. And I put my belief in you, Jesus, today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in here today and you prayed that prayer, just raise your hand for a moment. I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. Just raise your hand. Keep it up for a moment. Anyone else today? Pray that prayer. Father, I thank you for those who prayed that prayer in this room, God. I pray for those who may not have raised their hand, but they prayed it anyway. God, I pray that you would anchor them in your word, God, that you would make the body of Christ stronger because of them. If you prayed that prayer today, at the bottom of that worship folder is a place for you to just let us know that you received Christ today. Father God, help the body of Christ to be built up by your people getting involved, finding our shape, finding out where we can be utilized. Help us to be effective in that. Help us to realize that we are part of a team. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.